Ward presents The High Cost of Loathing. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. Uh, do not get confused. We are Gary and Cole. And this episode does guest star Gary Cole, uh, but it is not of any relation. Uh, you may know Gary Cole from as the uh, CEO from Gremlins 2. <laughs> you may know him as Mike Brady. <laughs> uh, you might, but you may also know him as a CEO from Gremlins 2. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> I, for, I, I forget. He, that, that, he must yeah. have been incredibly young. I, I mean, he's he's looks good. Okay, you know, yeah. at that point, uh, you know, he's just a guy. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he he does a good job. Okay, uh, in it, you know, <laughs> uh, wonderful in that movie. Oh, of course, I mean, he's um, wonderful in oh, everything. Oh, you know what? I'm getting him confused. Or no, he looks a lot. Oh my god! Oh, did, Gary, did I get this no. wrong? Oh, did oh, I get a grum fact wrong? You do not fire. You don't take the shot unless you know you're going to hit. Okay. It, he's in the ballad of Ricky Bobby. Yeah, he's the uh, he's the, he's right, the he, office space fella. Yeah, he's the. We're going to need you to. Yeah. No, I'm thinking of a different guy who looks just like him. <laughs> god damn it, Gary! Come on. Who, who plays Clamp and Gremlins too? Clamp. Damn it. That's yeah, a clamp. It's a, it's a man named John Glover. John Glover. Yeah. I got Glovered. <laughs> they, they look similar to me. Oh, okay. Huh? Yeah. yeah. The, the, uh, the, they, they, they both have that high cheekboned kind of gaunt kind of, kind of, kind of feel. Yeah. Uh, some it's of his guy appearance. I care way less about oh. Fuck this guy. Fuck this episode. I'm done. <laughs> I, I thought we were going to be able to grum out, and now uh, no. I got a gr- I got grum balls, grum blue balls, and I not I cannot successfully I, come until I see a uh, brain gremlin give me I'm, the business. Man, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Gary Cole. Uh, yeah, no, it's a tremendous work on Veep. Um, oh, as a, never seen Veep. Oh, it's a good show. It's it's re- it's real funny. Um, no, I've heard it's good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm, Apropos I'm, I'm of nothing. Okay. You know what I was, I re- remembered yesterday. What'd you remember yesterday? Uh, <laughs> Pelosi leading the Democrats and singing that Shauna Na goodbye song. Oh. Uh, do you remember that? Oh. Uh, after, uh, I think it was after like Comey Barrett was confirmed and she was like, this will be the end of you. And they all did this Na 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 goodbye thing. Yeah. I remember yeah. her and the Democrats kneeling with Kenta cloth. Um, sure. And then we'll during, forever. yeah. Uh, after, you know, during the, uh, the unrest and, uh, you know, the, the people asking for Ooh. justice in 2020, that was, that was there, what they did about that. Embarrassing. Ooh. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, I know that Veep isn't like that, but for some reason in my head, it's in the West wing pile, even though I know it's funny and good. Oh and no, it's, it's, yeah, it is deeply cynical. It is not, it, it yeah. is. If there's an opposite of the West wing, it's, uh, it's, you can, it, it, it's, yeah. <laughs> okay. What you mean where the first lady works and lives? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. This episode Anywho. is a, this is a fucking train wreck. <laughs> That's it. This is what else are we going to do? <laughs> we can talk about uh, the episode. No, we're gonna, I'm just saying okay. this is, you know, I, at this point, in our partnership, you have 
de facto agreed to any and all grim invasions. <laughs> Just by not protesting before. I think that if you were going to say something about it, yeah, like it, it's too late. There is a like it's grandfather. It's grandfathered in. I, I mean, like, if, if 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 it was actually true, I was like, oh, I was willing to accept. If Gary Cole was like, I cannot consent. I cannot accede to imagined grim invasions. Like there needs to be a basis for 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 grams to be brought in. Well, I can be I can be mistaken about two actors. Two okay. white guys look similar. That's fine. That has nothing to do with Grams. Uh, don't blame the Grams for that. No, I'm blaming but, you. I'm blaming yeah, you. I, I, it kind of no, feels like fine, you're just looking for an excuse to talk about Grams, and it's not germane. The, I well, there's it kind of looks like that because it's exactly what's happening, <laughs> and I admit it. Like I am looking for an excuse to talk about Grams twenty four seven. I got that that Grem set. I got that <laughs> Grem mindset. You know, not about to give up the grums. Uh, this episode was written by Jackson Public and originally aired August 26, 2018. Probably around the same time the Democrats were doing that bullshit. Uh, some of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, this is uh, kind of got a split story here. We have the monarch trying to come to grips with the fact that uh, he has not been arching uh, for a while. His vigilante work didn't pay. And also he sunk uh, most of his money into renovating his parents' mansion. This is where he finds out that he's broke. Yes. Uh, this is also, there's a, this, to me, the, the plot that's more interesting is Dean uh, moving away to, to move into college during a new semester. Yeah. Uh, and trying to form his own identity mm-hmm. uh, here. Deciding, I don't want to live in uh, my beautiful penthouse apartment. I want to go live in a sweaty dorm with a grown man. <laughs> yeah. Who, who swabs yeah. an orifice. <laughs> um, the, uh, this is set two months later after uh, the Morphic trilogy. The idea being to kind of set, you know, since I was supposed to be the end of the the season, the previous season, makes sense. I'm really glad this is not a season premiere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it is bombastic enough. No. Um, I like all the boys stuff. It drives me fucking nuts that Dean gives the monarch a million dollars in this episode. Yeah. I hate it. I. <laughs> it's weird doing the show is turning me against the monarch, but like, boy, it's turning me against the monarch. Yeah. He just no. gets whatever he wants and never has any consequences for it. Bad husband, shitty villain, horrible, <laughs> you know, not a bad person in a fun way, just like not worth anybody's like, mm. and just gets everything. Yeah. No. And also mm. it's you know, kind of like, what's to stop him from doing that again? If he can just extort it from Dean. <laughs> yeah. 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 I cannot believe Dean did that. Other than that, it's real good. And the character played by non gremlin star, Gary Cole is really nice. Oh yeah. Uh, I love Victor Von helping. <laughs> such a funny name Von helping it's just like <laughs> i wanted it to rhyme i wanted it to have the same first letter uh and yeah. also the same uh the same number of syllables it's fun helping well he just he it, it was hellfire is his actual last name he just changed it to like <laughs> something that is better you know and he went with helping yeah oh i I, so I you know i misheard it i i said rhyme because in my head it was uh, von helsing but that's already mm-hmm. a guy kind of yeah yeah yeah, yeah, it it kind of sounds like that, but it's uh, from from Hellfire. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's a it's very cute, and yeah. that all that stuff is very good. Yeah, but like he uh, initially represents a better side of super science to Dean, but it turns out he's just still in the same world. <laughs> it's Dean constantly thinking he has escaped this, but still being within the walls of the of of the world that uh, uh, that he hates. 
it still kind of models an escape path for Dean. Yes. Uh, they just don't do anything with it. Like one mm-hmm. of the things that is a frustrating season seven thing for me is that I really wanted like the Dean journey. Yeah. And we get kind of the beginnings of it and the very end of it. Mm-hmm. But he takes a long break in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, uh, this uh, commentary, huh? Whew, man, the hostile energy is there, and if you think that Gary and I arguing about Gremlins Two is rough, uh, this is kind of hard to listen to. I thought so too. Yeah. Like you, you hear them, uh, and Doc's being pretty hostile it, it, during it, this. Yeah, it really feels like hostile and. Uh, I mean, I don't want to tell tales out of school too much, right? This is just how the how it landed to me. Mm-hmm. But it feels kind of low key insecure. Okay, like he there's this weird braggy nature that comes through for a couple of the things that he talks about. Like one of the they spend a lot, basically the whole commentary talking about how this doesn't look good as right. an episode. I have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. And I wish that wasn't part of commentary. Uh, that, like, that's the, like, that is Jackson who fixates on that. And I think that he is, when he is looking at this, it feels like he is seeing all of the work drafts that came back that he had to work very, very hard to correct. Yeah. In uh, part of that, when they're talking about, so they start bickering like almost immediately and start bickering about which episode is the worst looking one of the season. Yeah. With with Jackson being like, it's this one, and Doc being like, no, no, it's mine. But those are the kind of bullets I take because I do episodes where people just talk. Yeah. Like he says it in this really confrontational way. Yeah. And then they get into an argument about making jokes about Michael Kors um, uh, and who made the joke first. And you, it is, uh, it's like that AGDQ thing where that one guy on the couch is real awkward. <laughs> like you can hear. So Doc is like, you know, I made I made the joke first, but it aired second. And then there's a pause uh-huh. because Jackson didn't like plus one or everything. And he's like, or I made it at the same time and didn't notice. Yeah. And then it gets down to like, I, w- I would have changed that if I knew that you made the joke. And it's like. You know, and they, and they also talk about like, oh, why they why they don't work together, why they don't write together. You know, they're they're like self deprecating jokes about like typing speed and stuff like that. But it's like they're saying like, no, I would have I would have changed that if I saw it. But you must have seen it first, so you didn't change it. It's like, who gets to make yeah, this well, joke I would have about it a- too? <laughs> it's like who gets to make this joke about Project Runway? The, who uh, gives a shit? Mo- Mom and Dad, stop fighting, babe. babe. At least fight about more interesting stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's bizarre. I, you it's, know, it's re- it is kind of hard to listen to. I made that joke first, babe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, babe, uh, did you make that joke first? Hey, babe, uh, you want to watch Gremlins too? No, oh, that's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm making a so reference yeah, to the to the dinner party episode of The Office. That's uh, a, I was making a reference to Gremlins too. Oh, okay, uh, the, <laughs> and dinner and dinner party episode. I just stand here and watch TV for hours. Um, <laughs> The, uh, it's just, it's real ridiculous. Uh, mm-hmm. and it is a little bit hard to listen to. Uh, we also find out that the Astro base has been dismantled. We find this out because both the boys have strong opinions about designer desks. Yep. Uh, which I was not expecting, mm-hmm. but they like, they're like, yeah, man, I wish I had the $8,000 desk. Now it's like $12,000. It's come up but before it this would it's, it's, com- it's yeah. come up before Jackson and, uh, talked about it on the art book. Yeah. Yeah. They love desks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I I am so immune to that kind of thing because of cat ownership. Oh yeah, like can you imagine buying a twelve thousand dollar desk and then just you're gone one day and Greta decides to put a claw on it? Mm-hmm. 
$12,000. I feel ridiculous having spent the amount of money that I did on uh, my desk. It's in a horrible shape because I use it. I can't imagine like buying a, you know, first off buying anything rosewood because you just like, you know what they do to get rosewood? It's pretty, 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 bloodwood. I mean, like it's basically not a lot of rosewood trees left. Let's say that. That's why, that's why like uh, rosewood, (laughs) uh, oh gosh, old guitars are really expensive because you're not really allowed to cut down rosewood trees anymore. Like mm. any rosewood that exists has already been cut down. Uh, like you can't import them, uh, things like that. Uh, rosewood is uh, uh, primarily used on guitars for uh, fretboards, right? Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Stuff like that. I don't know why. I, you know, I I almost say I don't know why. I know about rosewood because of guitars. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're a guitar enthusiast. I mean, I'm a guitar dabbler, uh, but. <laughs> um uh, yeah uh that's that's why i don't even know what i was saying i do not understand why people would fixate on nice furniture i have always had you know ikea and ashley furniture seems like a weird way to spend money but oh well i i really hate uh ikea furniture Mm -hmm. but i do love buying used furniture yes uh that is just old and made of wood um you know, cat ownership has made, I would much rather have non nice things that I don't care if they get a, a blemish than mm-hmm. nice things that I have to spend the rest of my life worrying if, you know, a, a coffee ring yeah, ends yeah. up on them. Like, you know, no thanks. I just, I like, uh, I like the Astro Base got taken down. Yes. Astro Base was d- dismantled. Jackson, you know, like, is, I think he's living in California at this point. It's a real, like, broken, you know, broken fellowship kind of thing. It feels like yeah. to a degree. Maybe that's overstating it, but they're still talking about it, season eight. <laughs> it, yeah. It's possible that our parasocial, like, we're, I think there is hostility there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's a genuine read. Uh, we don't know what's in these men's hearts. Nope. Could have been no. a bad day when they were recording the commentary. Yeah. They were recording in the same session. They recorded the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can tell. Uh, so maybe they're also exhausted. Yes. Um, we start off with a cold open. It's two months after arrears in science. And we get this little fantasy sequence. We haven't had one of these in a while mm-hmm. where uh, the Monarch crew in their brand new uh, high tech uniforms do the beginning of MGS two. <laughs> um, yeah. storming a ventec ship yeah storming a tanker uh we see the new high-tech cocoon uh roll up 21 has lightsaber wrist blades uh the monarch flies down in his shiny golden armor you know uh his regular armor is gold but this is there's more of it now um mm-hmm. and the you know the one thing that kind of stands out is the fact that the monarch has these bushy unkempt eyebrows and his goatee is all bushy right mm-hmm uh, and you know, they break through, they, I love the, uh, the thing they have where they shoot the plastic butterfly net <laughs> and put the guy up against the wall. Like it's really cool looking, <laughs> uh, 21 uses lightsaber Wolverine claw thing to cut open a shipping container and gets into this box, uh, marked with these little canisters that say rich uranium. Yeah. Well, they're disguised. So it's a disguise within a disguise. He, uh, initially opens up, uh, it's a J watch box. He opens it up and sees there's this canister inside marked enriched uranium. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, then, uh, when he peels off a sticker. Yes. There. And it's a container of this handy dandy hair cream. Uh, they also in the commentary are very bitter about nobody buying the shirt. They, they had the ad for their fake hair cream. They never advertise the shirts. Like, yeah, I mean, but also who's, who's a big fan of the Venger brothers specifically for this hair cream. That's a cool logo, like, but that's about it. 
yeah they have logos for things from the show uh-huh you know like you get it you can get a shirt that's just the dean logo mm-hmm it just says dean <laughs> you know why would you want the hair cream from like this little tiny little subplot uh but he uses it he puts his eyebrows back in order so this is his his pomade basically yeah uh dr and mrs the monarch wakes him up from a fantasy he's daydreaming as he's getting an inspection in the morpho cave from dr z yeah and dr z is walking around with the clipboard they've obviously just very hastily painted over all the blue uh in the morpho mm-hmm. cave to make it the monarch cave um and dr z is here he's proctoring the uh ema audit trying to determine what level uh he is you know and dr z points out the 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 eyebrow thing and mars like it does that matter personal grooming is a factor mm-hmm. don't want to be a bungler nope um the uh Dr. Z is not impressed. No. Uh, they have a henchman army, which is uh, just day laborers. They've dressed up. There's seven of them, you know, <laughs> and Dr. Z points out Taylor Swift rolls with a bigger squad. Uh, he, the monarch's like, well, what about my super cool high-tech floating cocoon? And Dr. Z uh, pops a Assassin's Bl- Creed mm-hmm. blade. Yeah. Just, like he, it comes out of his, uh, it's like a wrist mounted. It's his, yeah, it's his cuff. Yeah. It's how, it's how they had yeah. the, uh, th- th- that was, that was funny to see them just yeah. straight up pull an Assassin's Creed thing. Yeah. It just pops out the, uh, the, yeah, the ring, the ring finger knife, uh, and yeah. pops it because it's a big inflatable. Yep. Uh, very pathetic. Yeah. Uh, and basically says you're a five and you're, you know, you should be so lucky. Yeah. You know, this, this is, is a, this is me being generous. It's a very generous five. Uh, and of course the monarch is, uh, is outraged. He's he, to his mind. He has worked very hard. He feels like he has earned more. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut over to, uh, Hank, uh, taking over Dean's room. Now that Dean's moved out. Yeah. Um, he has these boxes here, marked dork supplies and virginity protectors. Uh, <laughs> just just Dean's old shit. Dean. <laughs> yep. <laughs> sticking it to Dean, uh, starts erasing the whiteboard, but there's a section where the colored marker won't come out. So he just puts his big flat screen TV over it. Yeah. Uh, he's got plans for this place. It's not uh, a whiteboard. Eventually. It's a big board, Gary. Oh yeah. Whoops. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> let's, let's fight about it in the commentary for this episode for a season. Um, he invites Serena, his girlfriend, over, but she's going to class. Yeah. Like, I have class. Sure, I know you do. No, no, I've really got class. This is the subplot of this season about them growing apart because Hank is this shiftless little playboy mm-hmm. and she's going to school. Uh, again, just the beginning and end of the season. Yeah. You know, uh, kind of a bummer. You mm-hmm. know, that's a cool idea for an arc. Um, th- she's cut off because Brock uh, power slides around the quad. <laughs> Uh, there with Dean, yeah, does some donuts. He's an, he's an Adrian, and just he did. He, he saw the open yard, and he decided to go for it. It called him. He's yeah. chafing under city traffic. He needs the open space to really open Adrian up. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Dean, you know, as as Brock says, he's like, oh, I know what it feels like to be bottled up inside, kind of be an angsty little Dean. <laughs> This is a, this is a, this is a cruel joke that Brock pulls on him, like dangling mm-hmm. the keys and saying, "Well, that's why I'm going to give you these." It's a, it's very funny. Oh, it's very <laughs> funny. Brock is kind me. of a, like Jock is, Brock is kind of a jerk in this episode. Yeah. It's not a great, great Brock episode, uh, uh for endearing Brock, but it's funny, Brock. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. I, I'm always distracted by this because as they go into the dorm where Jared is naked and swabbing out his spinneret, <laughs> God, is that fucking gross? That dude. is horrifying. Ah, yeah no it's real nasty i don't have anything i have to swab out like after they told you not to use those on your ears oh yeah i was like Phew, my swabbing <laughs> days are done 
Like I don't. <laughs> you, 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 I, mean, you I haven't don't, been. I've been swabbed in a dog's age. Yeah, you don't have a don't have a foreskin. You have to have to maintain. You know. No, I'm yeah. I'm shorn. Yep. Uh, a man should look like his father, according to my parents. Um. Yeah. So no uh, no foreskin. <laughs> you know, it's a. Uh, I I don't know what I'm missing. People are yeah. like, oh man, you haven't lived until you've had a foreskin, and I'm like, I was a baby. I don't remember. Like, yeah. and it works just fine. It's you know, great. It, it feels good. I'm I'm keeping this in my back pocket in case I ever get starved for attention. I'm gonna really come out hard as an intactivist. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, um, just to create drum up some publicity. <laughs> yep, just keeping that one yeah. in my back pocket. It's either that or flat yeah. Earth and the anti Semites. Keep it in your front pocket, <laughs> flash pocket. <laughs> oh. Yeah, don't gotta like swab that. It. Yeah, gotta swab well, it. Well, you know, yeah, I gotta swab it. It's really gross. <laughs> Uh, it's, just, it's a really nasty image. He's just standing there naked and Brock and Dean walk in and he panics. So Jared's a cheerleader um, and he has the uh, the school's mascot suit. So it's, it's the Beavers. Go Beavers. Uh, and mm-hmm. he rips the mascot's uh, head off and holds it in front of his junk, you know, to cover himself up because he's embarrassed. I like Brock. You fucking that thing. Uh, yeah. You fucking <laughs> that thing. Uh, so they're going to be roommates. Yeah. Uh, there. Uh, Jared has a Rings of the Realm poster, which I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, there. You know, he's a he's a big nerd. Yeah. He's got a he's got a Canadian flag. He's got a Hamilton poster, but it's Stuyvesant, the musical. Dean's yeah. real upset. Uh, you know, he's like, only Brock came to to see me off. You know, helper gave him a dream catcher made out of stuff you'd find in a kitchen. <laughs> uh, real cute. <laughs> Um, and he's like, yeah, you know, you're the only one who came pop's still mad at me because I'm not taking any science classes. And Brock's like, yeah, look, something you should know. Dad signed you up for a shitload of science classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to be Dean's little arc. Yeah. yeah. He's got to go in and do his dad's work so he can choose his, uh, choose his own future. Uh, Rusty having metal with his, uh, with his son. Uh, he is getting dressed down by a pirate captain who's having a meltdown about the financials. Ventec is in the red after the Gargantua 2 disaster, and they had to spend a pretty penny getting uh, Ventec Tower seaworthy after Jonas attempted the Shanghai it. Yep. Yeah. He was like, hey, whatever you got down in R&D, you have to do it now. And Rusty is very smug. Uh, he, he's like, you know, I, I have just the solution to this. There's only one thing left to do. I love this scene. Actually. <laughs> yeah. The one thing left to do. And he leaps through the boardroom window, which happens in the, uh, the Hudson for proxy. Um, everyone panics. So they think he's dying, but he just floats up using the hover belt. Yep. Uh, but he leapt through, left, you know, through a big pane sheet of window. <laughs> yeah. a huge shard of glass in his thigh. <laughs> he looks as very self-pleased. Uh-huh. He's talking you know, about he's, like, he's gonna, oh, yes, we have the future of personal conveyance. <laughs> You know, uh, but there's this big shard of glass in his leg and like he, uh, he pulls it out and they're like, ah, oh, don't pull it out. Yeah. Well, um, it's super creepy because like he's laughing and then the, the cuts on his face that were not visible before open up and he starts bleeding like so Lisa good. and the nurse from silent Hill. <laughs> yeah. It's, I love it. And then he yeah. put, when he pulls out the glass, he starts bleeding profusely and then just passes out dangling from his floating belt. I love uh, that so much. Very, I, I love, I love somebody funny. levitating, but being unconscious. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, it's like drowning in midair. Um, the Monarch and 21 are at a bank and they're looking to borrow some money so they can uh, make a new layer in equipment. Uh, they want to get uh, $20 million for that and uh, handy dandy. Yes. Uh, this The stuff that they have, uh, difficult to acquire on account of the ambergris. Ambergris, uh, this digestive thing that uh, comes from sperm <laughs> whales, uh, used in that, used in perfume. Yep. 
and stuff. And really weirdly enough, using candy uh, back mm-hmm. in the, the day, uh, a lot of perfume ingredients had crossover with candy, which is why you still get like violet and lavender candies. Mm-hmm. Uh, adding sugar to perfume is how they used to make candy. Yep. Basically. Uh, uh, disgusting. It's vile, uh, is what it yeah. is. Uh, Louis the Fourteenth, uh, uh, or whatever his name was, uh, he one of those French kings. Uh, I don't got to number him right. It was a Louis. Uh, his favorite dinner mm-hmm. was ambergris and eggs. I learned that on Bob's Burgers because ambergris it is used for perm for and all that stuff. And every once in a while, an animation director learns about ambergris and it works into a plot. <laughs> <laughs> it was also yep. in Futurama. <laughs> yeah, just uh, whatever anybody that at some point, like I, I think I first started noticing the like, I just read about this on Wikipedia, so I have to sneak it into my product thing mm-hmm. through um, Brian K. Vaughn the oh, comic yeah. writer does saga and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he used to be exceedingly bad at that. Yeah. Characters were constantly beginning sentences with, did you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a, in those books, it's pet Palinix trick. Yeah. And it, it's a bummer. Uh, now that I've, once you notice it, mm-hmm. uh, it can really bum me out. Like I love learning stuff, mm-hmm. but just making characters talk to each other about it is really ham fisted. Yeah. There are better ways to work like a cool thing you learned into a story. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the monarch has no proof of income and he talks about his, his collateral and like, Oh, you mean the house that's condemned, you know? Uh, and he's, he's getting sick of this. He brings up his trust fund uh, to, to get this loan. Um, the banker checks on this and finds out his trust fund has been overdrawn. Uh, he's broke. <laughs> yep. We get the, the, the real cool Hitchcock push pull, you know, where the camera moves in on him, but it looks like the background, uh, you know, moves away. It's the, use the cinematic shorthand for somebody, somebody's soul is leaving their body. Um, somebody has realized something. Oh yeah. Um, and he's broke. You know, this is Mr. Bone, Mr. Burns having Smither tell him all, you know, all his yes men didn't, didn't want to tell him he lost his money in 1929. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he decides to rob the bank. He sends 21 away <laughs> and he's just going to rob the place uh, at this point. And unfortunately the Brown widow does his, his banking there. Yes. So, so Jerry um, rushes out and then comes back in as the Brown widow. I, I, I love Dr. Miss the monarch. Uh, telling like, Oh, you know, New York's lousy was superheroes. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Chances are you were going to run into one of them. If you were robbing a bank. <laughs> yeah, it, it just always happens. I, yeah. I love the the off-brand Spider-Man. You know, <laughs> welcome to my parlor, said the spider to the butterfly. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Uh, and I love how they don't let him go. Like, he, he webs up his hands <laughs> and throws him out, and he goes to leave, and he gets yanked back in to get beat up some more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so, uh, Dean is taking his philosophy class. He is doing another unit of that, but because, uh, Dr. Nadaba think tank, uh, is, you know, recovering from his fight with Brock, um, uh, and Oriana don't want to remove Oriana Mm -hmm. from that. They've got a sub, they have a substitute. It's Tosh Tompkins, AKA stars and garters. The, uh, the, the, the Chad bully. Mm-hmm. Teaches American military history and coaching wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> Go Beavers. Uh, and he's like, this is usually my forte. Uh, so we're going to have a little visiting professor named Zack Snyder. Uh, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, I see a bunch of Greek names in this syllabus. Fuck it. We're showing 300. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it so much. And they leave. They're just, uh, you know, Dean is dubious of the whole thing. <laughs> Somehow uh, I know. don't think the moral of Plato's Republic was 
kicking ass and taking names. I, I also, man, I love uh, Brown Widow just being like, yeah, but how long has it been since you've seen 300? Like, that's pretty much the appropriate. Like, if you're in class and they decided to show you 300, yeah, I don't particularly like that movie yeah. or anything. Uh-huh. Uh, and it, But I saw it when it came out. If somebody was showing it to me, I'd be like, all right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's okay. It, okay. It is, it, it, it is, you know, satisfactory to me in a way that shiny movie, mo- shiny moving objects are. Yeah. Like I'll, <laughs> I'll watch 300. Yeah. Fuck it. Uh, Serena spots them, you know, and there's the, the history between her and Jared. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared kind of uh, sneaks away. And Dean and Serena talk about being under their dad's thumbs. Yeah. Uh, Serena is jealous of Dean being able to live on campus and away from her father. Being jealous of somebody living in a cinder block, like 10 by 10 room with, again, a grown man. (laughs) I I have never lived in a dorm, but I dated someone who lived in a dorm when I was that age. Mm -hmm. Not like, you know, recently. Yeah. Uh, So all of my memories of dorm rooms are getting free food from the cafeteria yep. that were on her like dining plan mm-hmm. and just wild experimental early 26. Mm, uh, yeah. Like my dorm memories are very, very positive, but because I only took the best parts of it. It's because you were a dorm uncle. You never had to like yeah. take care of the dorm full time. You just got to visit on holidays. Dorm uncle can says we can eat ice cream whenever we want. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, lived I told a... this story. Oh, good. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I've told this story before, but I, something recently reminded me of it. Okay. Uh, the college where this was true was Northern Illinois University. Mm-hmm. And the name of their ID card that had uh, your dining dollars on it and stuff was called a one card. Okay. And in the MySpace days, me and my girlfriend at the time, we were cruising it. And we found uh, this amateur hip hop guy from Northern Illinois University who wrote an R&B song called One Card. Okay. About this student ID. And I would I would give a lot to hear it again, but it was like, girl, get me, let me get that one card. I want to get you one card, yeah. There's nothing makes me holler like a girl with dining dollars. Nothing, nothing makes me holler like a girl with dining dollars. Did he sing it all sexy, like a like sexy R and B kind of thing? It was a sexy R and B song about a student ID that allowed you to buy. Yeah. They, chicken they, tenders <laughs> chicken tenders and the worst salad you've ever seen yeah yeah <laughs> yeah the home of the worst damn salad that's ever been and a, and a gas station cheeseburger uh-huh uh that lives with you know a hundred of its brothers under a heat lamp yep just uh yeah. you, 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 you you pull it from the from its watery womb on the steam yeah. table <laughs> yeah. it just cries there, there's a it's steam escaping but it seems like it misses its family <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I only lived in a dorm for a quarter. Uh, I was just like, I basically, I became enough of a thorn in the administration's side. I was like, I hate living in this dorm. I, I, I technically came in with enough credits to, uh, to not be considered a freshman. And I was like, that Mm -hmm. means I'm not strict. I don't strictly need to adhere to the, uh, to the all freshmen must live in a dorm for a year, which is a fucking racket. So they can overcharge you for stuff. Um, yes. and finally they were like, just go pay this penalty and go. It's like, thank you. And I printed a room off campus. Yeah. <sighs> significantly better. Yes. I think. Uh, yeah, I would, I, I would die now if I had a little bit. Of oh my God. No, no. Like, I, I mean, I know I wouldn't, there are people who live in those kind of conditions who are fine, but I, yeah. I really don't want to. I'm too, I become very accustomed to having my own space. I am. Yeah, no, I, I require my solitude. So, yeah, I've talked about it before. I spend a, a lot of time nude. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be Jared, like swabbing stuff out. 
just like for I would, fun. I would make my roommate do what you did. <laughs> like before I just lived peacefully in a dorm, I would make it my business for them to complain. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah. But Serena's like, oh, I'd love to not live in this, you know, basically live under guard. I mean, she's imprisoned in that penthouse. Uh, and her dad wanted her to study, uh, study marine biology. Like that worked out mm-hmm. so good for him or me. Yeah. Gills. <laughs> Yeah, shows off her gills. Uh, they're going to have coffee, but Dean has to go cancel his science classes that he has. Uh, we cut over to Rusty being kept in the hospital overnight because he lost all that blood. Um, Hank and Brock and Hatred are there. Uh, Hatred kind of criticizes Brock for letting this happen. You know, saying a real soldier never leaves his post. And Brock's like, yeah, who's at the front desk? <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and we get this hilarious cutaway. Like, this is a family uh-huh. guy cutaway, but I love panicked helper sweeping a gun around the lobby, just like not <laughs> sure who's a threat. <laughs> Good helper episode. Yeah. He's in it for three seconds, but it like he steals the show. I just did like like him just he can't sweat because he's a he's a robot, but just the, the, there's something about his the pose work that's done here that just sells the just the white hot pants pissing terror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Rusty kind of comes to a little bit and asks if Dean came by, uh, yeah. favoring Dean. Yeah. As usual. Where's my boy? Uh, Hank, where's my boy? Uh, Hank says, I'm here. You know, and he rolls out some blueprints uh, for these changes he wants to make to the Hank cave. Uh, <laughs> that Dean's new room or his Dean's old room. Yeah. He, he thinks he can handle the water feature, but he's way out of his depth with, with, with the skylight. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, he wants to put in a conversation pit. He wants a heart-shaped bed. There's a movie monster slash creature creation station. Mm-hmm. It's like movie and a makeup. Pole. Oh, of course, a bat pole. How are, how are you going to get that. up and down? Every uh, yeah. like fantasy house that I designed, you know, fantasy lair or whatever, like no stairs, just fire, fire poles. Yeah. And you had to go up them, which would mean you'll never go upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. Never had stairs. You'd be real too tired. It, was, it was all, it, it was like a helipad on top. It was a fire pole that went down through the comics library. And then it was a, a, a twisty slide down to the basement. So, mm-hmm. uh, but Rusty will not give him money. He no. said, basically, you know, you had a choice college or a job, uh, you know, and you got fired mm-hmm. from the pizza place. Uh, Hank leaves. He's very upset. Yes. Uh, the nurse comes in says visiting hours are over and Rusty's like, no, he's my bodyguard. He can stay. <laughs> and Brock's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and then he, uh, he picks up the little, uh, the dingus, the remote, and then just spams the morphine button until, <laughs> until Rusty <laughs> falls asleep. asleep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's how you euthanize people. <laughs> it, it is, uh, slightly less funny during the uh, opioid crisis. <laughs> that's how you euthanize people or just create. Ozark. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, oh uh, man! What seems like it's going to be a, a plot? They pull open the uh, curtain here to show uh, Rusty's roommate, which is Doctor Nadaba. Yeah. In uh, traction, uh, this is only going to be this little subplot. It's not important. No. They're also in the commentary. They talk about how they had a song they wanted to play over this, and they couldn't get the rights to. But they said they couldn't even say the name of the song, which feels strange to me. That is that is a thing, actually. Yeah. Uh, like oftentimes, uh, the actual name will be will be cut out. Like legal gets real uh just in real nervous about that kind of stuff on commentaries i have listened to in the past yeah they should not yeah legal are a bunch of fucking weenies yeah same with standards and practices all of them a yeah. lot of them no thanks yeah a lot of them weenies um dr misses the monarch uh, comes home and finds the monarch sulking 
Yeah. Uh, you know, 21 warrants are like, it's pretty bad in there. He's lying face down, you know, groaning. Uh, this is where he says, you know, New York has as lousy as superheroes. You know, of course you're going to run into them. And Monarch says, you know, but you'll do better next time. Monarch says there won't be a next time. Like I put all my money into this stupid house. These $1,200 sconces, this $8,000 desk. This is also in the commentary. They talk about how Doc and, and Jackson both remodeled mm-hmm. and how they felt stupid mm-hmm. about spending a lot of money. Yeah. On, uh, on stuff, uh, which, which makes sense. Yes. Um, it's buyer's yeah. remorse. I'm currently having yeah. a roof put on and I do not want to say what it is going to cost me. Yeah. And a roof is arguably more important than a sconce. Mm, that room needs light. Depends on the sconce. Depends <laughs> on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's nice not to get rained on, but have you ever had light come from too high up in a room? Yeah. Have, yeah. you ever, have you ever had something you could potentially pull down to have it be a secret passage, but just breaks? Oh, don't even get, don't even get me started on how expensive it is to put in a secret passage. Probably very expensive. I, I looked at, I'm looking for a place to live and I looked at an apartment yesterday where the office and the bedroom were connected by their closets. Ooh, they shared what? one big closet that had a door on either end. <laughs> you had a Jack and Jill closet connected. Yeah. Them. Yeah. It, <laughs> it was a little bit like a secret passage. Huh. Uh, it was real cool. It, and it was like a really great place. It was just not in a great area. Yeah. So didn't go for it. Ah. Um, yeah. I, I asked my friends who lived in Portland for a long, I was like, Hey, how Thunderdome is this area? And they're like, well, it's still Portland, but it's about as Thunderdome as they get, you know, like shootings and prostitutes and stuff. And I was like, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah. Um, the, uh, so she says, you know, we got to a new arch, you know, work the program, do it step by step. You know, you're a survivor. Uh, she hold, he, and she holds up the preserved body of uh, a monarch butterfly. And yeah. she explains what monarchs do. You yeah. know, they, they never quit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talking about their uh, migration patterns and stuff. Uh, this is cute. Mm-hmm. And he says, thank you, honey. Oh, I wish you could have met her. Talking about his mom. <laughs> wish you could have met her when she was alive. She would have liked you. Yeah. The, uh, the butterfly who died. Yes. Like a year after he uh, <laughs> flew down and made himself really sick chewing on milkweed. Yeah, they don't uh, They don't live very long. <laughs> uh, Dean is talking to a science professor. This is Dr. Von Helping. Um, he looks like uh, Carl Sagan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of patterned after him. He's, he's a cool professor. Yeah. You know, like cool friend professor guy. Mm-hmm. They tried to make him, you know, they talked in the commentary about like, oh, yeah, just we wanted to make him one of those professors who would never sit in a chair, right? It's a, they talk about like, that is obviously a dorky move. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, when I was in school, I liked the professors who were like just cool dudes. Oh yeah. It's obviously kind of lame, but like there's always, there's this weird shade of wanting to be dominated. I think when people talk about this kind of thing with disdain, mm-hmm. you know, like I didn't want a friend. I want someone to just to like teach me and be, and I'm like, I oh, no, they can, that sucks too. Yeah. Like well, there there is not like a strict correlation between those things you can yeah you don't have to teacher and also just act like a person yeah you know i'm not i'm not part of the transaction is not for me to be dominated by a by a daddy no you know who's gonna look to your left look to your right me And, and like all of those look to your left look to your right that was all like the gen ed classes i had really great relationships with like the three professors who were in my division who yeah. ultimately broke out to be kind of like this. My favorite version of this was the let's have class outside guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, what, what a, what a legendary move oh, yeah. because it's like, yeah, it's kind of transparent, but also the alternative is sucks. Yeah. No, had, had, uh, had an art history professor who just constantly was like, ah, let's just go outside. She was great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
so Dean says, you know, he doesn't want to take these classes because he doesn't want to be like his father. You know, he's stuck in this world. It's full of super science and this kind of gravity attracts villains and weirdos. And he just wants a normal life. Mm -hmm. uh, you wouldn't understand. And Van Helping's like, actually, I do understand. Uh, and he shows a picture uh, to Dean of his dad that's framed on his desk. Uh, super villain, Dr. <laughs> Van Hellfire. <laughs> he's got like spikes right. and metal skin and stuff. Yeah, it looks a little bit like an off-model uh, underbite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, big, same head shape. Yeah, big, uh, big, big block-shaped kind of guy. Because like, oh, you know, he yeah. was a super villain, and you know, only, only wanted two things in life, you know, to rule the world and to make me just like him. Also, to destroy Doctor Atomicus. So three, three things in life. I love the offhanded mention of this of like the supervillain name because like who's Doctor Atomicus? Or oh yes, yeah. superhero. I'm just thinking about like uh, on the Simpsons, you know, Doctor Colossus, right? Or or Grasshopperus. Is that what happened to Grasshopperus? Did they, you run a buck? Only when they tried to reason with him. <laughs> of Grasshopperus oh. um, and Doctor Atomicus. Very very funny. Yeah. Uh, so Von Helping explains, you know, that after this happened, he went to a dark place, but he turned himself around yeah. and he's like, I can make the world a better place, uh, not by trying to conquer it by, by being a teacher, mm -hmm. you know, why don't you take one science class? And, uh, if you don't like it, then we can, we can negotiate. Mm -hmm. uh, Dean says, what's the least super science? -y? He's like, well, all science is super. And Dean's about to walk. <laughs> and he's like, okay, botany. Botany. <laughs> botany. Like, botany. Yeah. Botany is a fine subject. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we cut over to Hank. Uh, Hank is renting out his old room. Yep. Uh, through air, like an Airbnb and like he doesn't. Airbnb. He doesn't want to work, and like many people who don't want to work, he became a landlord. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just uh, and he's he's showing German tourists his old room. Mm -hmm. There. Uh, it's uh, air, Airbnb, a wholly owned subsidiary of Hanko. Yeah. Uh, but they're like, you know, just, uh, they're, they're asking like, Hey, is this a kid's room? Because it's still Ned's room, you know? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Wi-Fi is rust for life and the password is Kate underscore Jackson underscore meow. Uh, Kate Jackson yep. being one of the original Charlie's angels. Yeah. Uh, doc never got over his, uh, <laughs> his old crushes. Yep. Um, so this is, you know, going to be a, like a very, very minor little subplot here. He's just trying to earn some money. Yeah. He's told to get a job. This is his job. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah. he uses this and he uh, uses it to buy a, a bouquet uh, for Serena and kind of a, just a, like a her when she's walking across campus by doing like cat calls and stuff before revealing mm -hmm. that it's, you know, that it's him just says, no, I can't, I, I can't go get dinner with you. Uh, I've got, I've, I've got class, you know, I, this is college. Mm -hmm. I have more than one class. LF Hank's response to that. Well, that seems excessive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's wants to live the life of an idle playboy mm -hmm. basically. Um, the, uh, so the monarch, uh, rubs, I, this is glue that he has, is that it? he's doing this stuff with, I think. Yeah. I think he's, he's using glue because he doesn't have stuff. He calls it, he calls right. it gel, but yeah, I, I thought the tube was glue, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, it makes it, his, his eyebrows look goofy here, mm -hmm. you know, no. uh, he's, uh, he's, he talks about how, uh, you know, it's too stiff. He needs a pliable hold and 21 says, at least you don't look like Peter DeVries anymore. Yep. Um, a Dune. Yeah. Guy. The character from Dune with the big bushy eyebrows, uh, specifically yes. in the David Lynch one. Yes. Uh, the Dune references don't stop. Nope. Uh, cause they're taking the, uh, moniker more mobile, uh, there to arch Dr. Van helping. Uh, and they're talking about his dad, you know, Dr. Uh, Van Hellfire, Victor Von Hellfire is, uh, this guild royalty. 
um, you know, they're kind of explaining his backstory. Yeah. His super science accent left him scarred over 80% of his body. And they're like, oh man, he looks like uh, Paul Atreides. Yeah. You know, he looks like a uh, Dune guy and that, the monarch just shuts him up. Yeah. Which in the commentary, they're like, oh, the monarch's even getting sick of it. The monarch bonds with 21 over Doom nerdy stuff. Mm-hmm. They both uh, were into Game of Thrones. Yeah. That's not, that's not something that he has contempt for him for. Yeah. Don't make me remember your characterization, boys. Well, they they, they also, in the in, in the commentary, uh, are talking about it. Uh, I think that they're projecting their own disagreement about Dune stuff, because this is a Jackson episode, but uh, Doc is the one who makes all the Dune references. Yeah, I think like, the when other, I do it. Yeah. God, like the low-key hostility in this commentary. Yeah. Like, oh, I make Dune references, but when I do it, it's to the very obscure stuff. <laughs> you know, it's not to the movie. Like, that's why I'm talking about when I say insecure. Like, it feels very, like, yeah. trying to, you know piss and mark his, his value mm-hmm. uh it's wild yeah um so uh dean he's getting set up for his class there uh not, not aware that he's a, his father's old arch nemesis is about to arch his new uh kind of science idol um and um serena arrives you know kind of mentioning this is where she says the marine biology thing they're in the same class and they're they're, they're the only two people in it you know, Von helping mm-hmm. kind of notes that when uh when he when he walks in, and then the monarch bursts through the uh, bursts through the window, saying the monarch is auditing this class. Oh, I, I love hey, Dean Venture, this class, <laughs> and uh, Dean just no, 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 no. He gets really, really good performance. Yeah, it's like not this. There. The last thing you wanted, right. the gravity, right? It's the gravity of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hatred wakes up. Uh, he's got a little little tent, a little sleeping bag under the front desk. <laughs> Uh, because the security alarm goes off. Uh, he sees it's in Hank's room. Hank did not account for this. Nope. Uh, in his Airbnb plan. Uh, Brock sets down his old college uh, jersey. I like the bit in the commentary about this. Like, kill deaf kids. <laughs> Change my life. Wear it to honor him. Uh, real funny. Uh, sets down to watch TV, but the flat screen has been moved. Yeah. So he's like, he immediately like, Hank. <laughs> uh, and starts walk. But uh, they go to check in, but Hank's not there. He's visiting Rusty in the hospital. Yeah. Um, you know, he's away, he's there and Rusty's, you know, asleep. He's, he's in the morphine coma. Um, mm-hmm. so Hank is just playing out this conversation between himself and his dad, you know, just kind of putting all these nasty words in his dad's mouth, doing his impression of him. He's just, he's upset. It's kind of like a prodigal son kind of thing, you know, like, Oh, Dean leaves the family and he gets everything. And I stay around and I only get a hard time, you know? Yeah. I, like I, I mean, I, it's hard, kind of heartbreaking and I know he's your favorite, but do you have to act like it? Yeah, it's very sad. Yeah. You know, while also Hank is being a, a layabout. Yes. You know, like Rusty's crime as a father here is not taking the effort to understand either of his kids. Yes. Like he he doesn't understand that Hank doesn't want this. Like he's he's sorted them into the boxes immediately. Mm-hmm. And uh they do need guidance and help, but just not the kind that he's able to give. Yeah. No. Uh, they get interrupted because uh, there's background music, uh, acoustic guitar being played, and it's from the other side of the room. This is uh, Stars and Garters serenading Dr. Nadaba, <laughs> uh, singing Father Figure, uh, uh, yeah. George Michael song. Yeah, or you did singing the, it is the, uh, oh gosh, it's the George Michael song from the movie Father Figure, I think is what oh, it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. That song might um, be called Father Figure, but it's a stylistic parody of it. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, they say uh, music helps. <laughs> And that's when Dr. Nadabo is like, oh, I'm sick of fighting these muscle-bound idiots. <laughs> it was Stars and Garters. Yeah. Um, I, I, they, they say something in the commentary that I want to bounce off of you and see if that is correct. Um, do Captain America and MODOK have, like, a fondness for each other? 
No. Oh. Okay. No. Uh, I don't. I don't know what what Doc's talking about. Mm. Uh, Modok doesn't. Modok being anything other than just a weird sniveling head <laughs> is relatively new. Like okay. anyone having fun with Modok? Like yeah. he just was like, nah, world domination for like for most of Modok's life. Yeah, for like forty years. And and now Modok's fun. Mm-hmm. Now people make fun of it. There's a really funny comic called Modox 11. That's about him putting together a team. <laughs> and it's just, you know, he's a big shitty floating head that you can just knock over <laughs> and the team freedom like that. And it's, it's pretty fun. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. This is, this, this is Gary Butterfield superhero corner. Uh, Cole being yeah, clueless. He, uh, I think he mentioned, I think he, when he talks about that, he's like, he's averting it. You know, like what mm. if they did have this affectionate relationship? Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. They're also not very particularly uh, associated like Modok aim, you know, does fight the Avengers and fights Captain America, but it's not like he's a Captain America villain. Mm. I think maybe he's thinking of Arnim Zola, who is more of a, also oh, a, a head maybe? related. It's the guy with the face on his chest. Oh, I, yeah. I, I only know the movie version of Arnim Zola. Uh, since we last recorded, I've watched a shitload of Marvel movies. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I know aim from, um, oh gosh. What is that? Somebody was MIA, et cetera. Forget which movie was. I watched a shitload of them, so I've stopped it. I've stopped differentiating them. Oh yeah. no, that was um, um that, that was it was Iron Man three that had uh that had aim uh with uh with what's his name uh extremist guy. Yeah, imagine uh, that that computer monitor that mm-hmm. Arnim Zola was on. Okay, but it's on a chest that walks around and has a camera instead of a head. Gotcha. That's huh. Arnim Zola. Okay. Like, uh, like a lot of fun Marvel villains, he's actually a Nazi. So it's a little bit less fun. Like he's got this real goofy design, but he does want to exterminate all the lesser races. Yeah. It's 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 like, it's funny because it, I think in Endgame, um uh you know, one of those, uh Tony Stark calls Hydra a quasi fascistic intelligence organi- organization. I'm like, mm-hmm. how hard they gotta go for you take quasi off that one, bad boy? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, well he doesn't you know, he doesn't want anyone to tell him that everybody Iron Man doesn't like is a fascist. <laughs> Iron Man's always just saying that about everybody it doesn't matter how fascist they are <laughs> you can dismiss it they literally served the third reich yeah <laughs> the third reich was not reichy enough for them yeah uh, yeah anyway oh boy <laughs> yeah so rusty wakes up he thinks this is a dream you know again because he's heavily drugged and he seems excited that hank has come and it kind of seems like we're going to get a heart-to-heart moment he says i want you to know you've always been my favorite and then he takes the room out because he finishes the sentence. Kate Jackson. He's not a. Yeah. He's not one of those uh, basic folks who likes uh, Farrah Fawcett. No, he goes for the deep cuts on the Charlie's Angels. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Brock and Hadrid get to the Hank's old room with their weapons drawn, uh, charging in. Uh, yeah. You know, Pro- presumably probably. to kill a bunch of Germans. Oh yeah, to kill those tourists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back in the. Um, the Bondi class, the monarch is attempting to arch, but Dr. Van helping. I, I love this where he's like, give me what I want. And he's like, I don't know what you want. This is a botany like, classroom. Like. Yeah, a, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> uh, and the monarch gets sick of this and has 21 punch him. Yeah. Uh, 21, you know, punches him and breaks his hand <laughs> uh, here. Cause it's just metal. It's just- uh, the, the monarch kicks him in the nuts and just breaks his foot. <laughs> Uh, he's got solid steel nuts. Yeah. I love Serena. This is just fucking sad. <laughs> yeah, very good. Uh, the monarch's like, well, if I can't hurt you, uh, he takes Serena hostage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's Wide Whale's daughter. He's not going to get away with that. No. You know? no. Uh, and this uh, this makes Dr. Van Helping snap. 
You yes. know, basically like you can threaten me all you want, but you cannot threaten my students. All his skin belts off and he starts to, you know, floats up in the air as this like metallic monster man. Oh, uh, his eyes are here. bright red, you know, with righteous fury. Like somebody, I mean, 21 literally puts a blade to her throat. She doesn't care. She's just going to, you know, like knows he doesn't have it in him, but like, just like, oh yeah, he's going to let them, we were going to play mama had a baby and his head popped off with your student. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they're in way over their head. Like they're going to fight. Yeah. You know, the super science has followed Dean and this is where Dean gets uh, fed up and uh, he starts calling out the monarch. And again, the way that the series, like everyone calls it the monarch, he never has to answer for it. He always has a dodge. Uh-huh. Like this character never comes to terms with things because he's like, why do you do this? Do you even know? And the monarch says, what do you know? You've always been a little rich bitch, never had to work a day in your life. Uh, not the case. Yep. <laughs> uh, first of all, that's you monarch. Yep. <laughs> all the other villains were like, you're a trust fund kid. And yeah. you were until earlier today. Yeah. You, you're you trying know? to take the moral high ground on this uh, because you have had to exert a minimal amount of effort. Yeah. It's frustrating it, that it, this is not underlined. I know everything doesn't have to be made obvious, but it is said and delivered and allowed to resonate as if it is a salient point that he is making and not him being completely oblivious to his own situation. And And the monarch is rewarded for it. Like yeah. whenever the monarch is confronted with one of his many, many feelings as both a villain and as a husband and as a man, he just comes out smelling like a rose. He's like mm-hmm. the luckiest person in this fucking universe. Yeah. It's really weird. And and only through kind of taking a close look and watching the series in order, did I notice this? Like, <laughs> yeah. it bounced entirely off my head the first time I watched it. And now I'm just like, man, I want Dr. Mr. The Monarch to leave him so bad. Yeah. It's, you know, it's hard not to come across as like, okay, yes, the monarch is not a real person. It's hard not to come across as like, uh, he can't keep getting away with it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but like it ends up being a real frustration with the character and a failing of any story that he's involved in that he can, he can just kind of continue, you know, taking a walk and never getting hit. And, and there's fun stuff that happens because of this situation. Yeah. Like later in the season, the episode where he mentors St. Cloud, mm-hmm. that's a real fun episode. You know, that's a, that's a fun situation that can only come from this. Yeah. But it just, it, it just ends up being frustrating because, and again, you know, there are people out there who are saying we're being idiots or I'm being an idiot, you know, for treating this as seriously as I am. And I think that the show treats its character seriously, which is part of why I love it. Yes. It feels like a betrayal of the promise of the show, not something that's just in line because of it's just a dumb cartoon. Mm-hmm. Like part of what drew me to the Venture Brothers is it wasn't just a dumb cartoon. Yeah. And just you know? it, it's kind of been the same thing ever since basically since he got back on his feet after season two. And it is spoiled on the shelf a little bit for sticking around this long and being this stagnant. Yes. Yeah. Bones me out. Uh, but Dean's like, is this what it's going to take? Uh it looks like he's going to pull out a gun, uh, but instead he pulls out a checkbook and just yeah. writes him a check for a million dollars. Yeah. And the monarch says, yes, that's, that's what it will take me to get me to stop doing this. Um, and Dean is pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Uh, he, I like 21 goes over to Devon helping is like, would you sign this as a standard arching form? He's like, Oh sure. You got a pen. <laughs> like he, you know, he immediately goes back into cordial mode. Well, yeah. Cause the situation deescalated. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's great. It's very cute. Yeah. Uh, Dean asks if Serena's okay. This is the beginning of her falling in love with him. Yeah. Uh, you know, she is impressed by his gallantry, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of like an interesting bit of maturation. You know, she was impressed with Hank when he had set up these fake threats. Yes. Uh, and he had done really cartoonish things in the face of them. But now she's seeing Dean, who is facing a real threat and does something practical. 
Yes. You know, she, Hank wants to be in a pretend world. Mm-hmm. You know, Dean does not. And Serena doesn't as well. Like this pairing actually makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot more sense. Spent more yeah. time with it. Yeah. yeah. I wish it would develop before it, you know, it kind of was basically treated as a reveal, you know? Yeah, it happens off camera. Yeah. Yeah. Dean loses his fucking virginity off camera. Mm-hmm. Um, so she he asked if uh Serena's okay. She's like, that's fine. I grew up around nines and tens. Like, I don't know what even what number that was. It was an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. It was nothing. She gives Dean a little kiss on on the cheek, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh and leaves and then pan down and Dean uh Dean's packing heat. Dean's got a yeah. huge dick. Yeah, no, no. I know. Dean, no uh, idea. he kind of creates a little pop-out shelf for him. He could rest a, a, you know, a small, he could rest an espresso cup on the end of that bad boy. <laughs> it's, it's pretty intense. It's, 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 he's got a large dong. Yeah. Uh, that's a completely perpendicular angle. <laughs> you know? Way to go, Dean. Past those good, pants. good for yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Go, Dean. You never know who's going to have a giant dick. Yeah. Uh, and that's the the end of the episode proper. That then we get our credits. Uh, I kept expect I always expect the post credit scene to be dealing with the German Airbnb <laughs> people. But that plot just got kind of dropped. Oh yeah, no, I mean just kind of, got th- got thrown into of, the incinerator with those German tourists. <laughs> yeah, kind of a kind of a, a little bit of a messy episode. Uh, the actual thing, you know, uh, Monarch gets a reward for being the top earner for the month. Mm-hmm. Um, there and Dr. Z sent over a congratulations gift, uh, bring you up to level six, which is some of the handy dandy from yeah. his personal stash. Cause of course he uses it with his facial hair. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a messy episode, but it has sweet moments to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I like having Dean get focus, you know, there, that is, that is too rare. Yeah. Me too. I, there are individual jokes and things about this episode. I like quite a bit mm-hmm. while still feeling it's a little bit of a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, uh, pretty decent, you know, set, sets the baseline for the season, I think. Yes. You know, um, yeah. If, uh, if you like this show, head on over to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and, uh, give us a couple of bucks. Show mm-hmm. your support. Yeah. Uh, you get, uh, like bonus shows. So if you like us talking about media, we have a show called Unfilmable where we talk about horror movies, but there are, you know, uh, other things about video games, etc. There's a lot of content, uh, that is on offer for you. And it also supports your boys. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, otherwise you can leave a rating or review in whatever, uh, podcast directory, uh, you use that offers reviews that does help us out. Um, and you can tell your friends. Yeah. Uh, all those things are awesome and we'd love it if you did it. Yeah. Uh, uh we have an, we have an idea of what we're doing after this show. Yes. And we won't wait until the very end to announce it, but we're not going to announce it just yet. Yes. Yeah. We're going to wait. Uh, but, uh, keep an eye out. I think it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and until next time, go, go team, team venture. venture.